Welcome back to In the Lab. My name is Alex Adams, and once again, I'll be joined by the amazing Stephen Carey. How are you doing, Stephen? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. And uh, today we'll be doing the Golden State versus Memphis Grizzlies game that uh, kind of tied uh, up the eight seed for the Golden State Warriors. As well, we'll talk a little bit, unlike other shows, a bit about the playoffs, the play-in, the matchups that have already been uh, uh, decided. So uh, it'll be a fun show, and obviously we'll we'll get into the game, which was a kind of up-and-down uh, game that Golden State led for, for the majority, but then at the end kind of came back, and we'll go into it. So uh, what were your thoughts on the game, Stephen? Uh, it was a super exciting game, like front to – Front to back, it was like lots of action. The only thing that didn't really live up to expectation was the Grizzlies offense at times, but they were still really efficient. It was just sort of a little more old school style. The third quarter was 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 not a good not a good yeah. quarter for Memphis. Yeah. Um just a couple just general thoughts. I didn't like the sixth foul on Brooks. <laughs> Pretty soft. <laughs> Um, I think he does lead the league in fouls, though. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I just thought that was a bit of a soft call. And then um, the challenge that the Warriors made late in the game, mm-hmm. I thought that I was sort of surprised. I don't like the the way they do it, but I was sort of surprised that they didn't change the foul to Draymond Green because it was obvious that he had made a foul on that play. Mm-hmm. So that was just an, an interesting thing to see. It's hard to know what the call should be when they – when they make an incorrect uh, player call on the foul, but uh, yeah, that was something that could an interesting have, uh, made that more you, interesting at the end. You don't see that a lot either, right? It's not something as a challenge, just as someone is fouled for the wrong call and then go back and, and they still kind of give it. So it, it's a weird one, but I mean – Again, I guess they still thought that the, the the right call was made, even if it was on the wrong person. Yeah, they 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 called the foul, put it on one guy. The foul was obviously on the other guy, and they didn't call a foul. So, yeah, yeah. tough to know. Anyway, yeah. game and, was probably pretty much over at that point or soon after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Golden State kind of put the game to bed with about two minutes left with a couple – Big Curry, big Curry shots. And uh, what plays did you like from each team? Um, I'll start off with the Grizzlies. So they had something that they used earlier that they didn't go back to, which I was a little bit disappointed by, was just JV getting really low position. Um, They are really good at passing to the inside, especially Morant, and they're not so good at passing out to the wings. So I would have liked them to try to go back to that a little more often. I really found that John Morant was uh, making some exceptional passes in this game, like passes that you would see from Luca and think, mm-hmm. oh, that's something that puts the entire defense like on the wrong foot just because you don't expect it. And it maybe it doesn't really accomplish something, but it has the defense thinking a little bit more and maybe they'll miss, you know, a backdoor cut or something like that soon after so that was really nice to see because we didn't see that from him in the last game he was sort of just making those really Mm -hmm. like five foot passes like we talked about before um yeah so they had um early shooting 
was good from deep, but it really, really just crashed in the third quarter and didn't really pick itself back up for the fourth quarter in time either. So, I mean, you can talk about the discrepancy in this game just being threes made. The, the Memphis was six of 25 from three, 24%, and, and Golden State made 15 and went 38%, 15 of 39, right? And you could really feel that at the end of the game. And for me, what I noticed with, with uh, Memphis, I almost said Houston, with Memphis's uh, offense was that it was mostly pick and roll JV and, and Morant, which is a really good, JV had 29 and 16 today or yesterday. Sorry. He was very efficient and Morant was very good in the pick and roll. The problem is, is, and I think this is something Morant really needs to work on is you can really feel the lack of a perimeter shot, especially a lack of a three point shot because they just sag underneath on the screen and dare him to shoot. And he, he went one of six today or yesterday. And that's something I think that, kind of is the Achilles heel, right? And if Morant can can find that, I think the offense really spreads out because, as you mentioned, he's a really great passer. He's great in pick and roll. He made a, some amazing uh, passes. I remember one where he took a uh, – he went on a pick and roll with, with JV and then Jackson slid over kind of to the top at the three-point line and did a between the legs but behind uh, – um, or just between the legs pass, like between his own legs pass behind himself to, to, to uh, Jaron Jackson for an open three. So yeah, I thought Memphis's offense was pretty stagnant. A lot of pick and roll, a lot of um, post-ups rather than when you watch Golden State and we'll talk about it, it was a lot of moving parts and you kind of get why people like playing in their offense, because if you're willing to cut and move, we're going to get a lot of good shots and obviously Steph Curry really helps that out. So yeah. I really... Yeah. The other, sorry. No, yeah, the other thing was um, just like, especially in the first half, seemed like there was just a little bit too much hero ball, a little too many long twos. JV even took a long two and it was kind of like, they were actually really efficient in the first half. If I remember correctly. Yeah, they but... were a lot of their mistakes were coming off guys shooting long twos. And it was like, you know, you don't, you don't really want to get mad at guys for shooting the long two if, if it's working, but it like repeatedly wasn't working. And it was in situations where it was like semi rhythm, not really good rhythm, not open. If you're wide open for a long two, you take it, but that was just what really hurt them. And they could have built a lead at that point, especially when Steph was out. And, and step, then uh, they cool, cool scored like five in a row or something. And then they were kind of just, they missed that opportunity and they were working from behind the rest of the way. Yeah. I think what this team needs and is for Memphis is they need more off ball action. I think they didn't have a lot of cutters. They didn't have a, a lot of backdoor screens leading to action. It was a lot of on the ball pick and roll and, I think Dylan Brooks is a pretty good facilitator. He gets a bit gets um had some turnovers sometimes, but he was pretty good in this game at facilitating the pick and roll. Same with Kyle Anderson, slow mo. He had a he had a lot of good shots or a lot of good pick and roll and drives in the first half, especially, but that's very tiresome and especially pretty easy for the defense to get adjusted to, right? 
So I think that's something they can do. Although I would say other than maybe Desmond Bain, especially in this game, they don't really have a lights out shooter. Right. So it's not great. Yeah. If you're doing off ball action and it gets the ball and it goes to Kyle Anderson, who's can shoot threes, but that's not really the kind of person you want. Yeah. They really miss uh, Grayson Allen just for how active he is on the perimeter. He's not, a lights out shooter, like you said, either, but he's very solid and he gets open more often than just about anyone other than Steph, really, just with like that JJ Reddick type of Kyle Corver type of action running open for the shots. They really miss that in this game, and who knows what's going on with him. Yeah, I know for sure. And I mean, now I, I want to get into kind of Golden State a little bit, unless you have anything else to add for, for Memphis. I thought they were really interesting plays. What I found really cool was they'd have kind of cool handoffs and weak side action where a guy would kind of – they'd have a lot of hand, screen, get the ball. Um, sorry, I'm not explaining it very well, but I'll ex- give an example. They had a nice play where pool runs to the baseline, picks, up the, picks it up on the weak side three-point line from Looney, gets the ball immediately, goes into a screen and roll with Looney, then comes down and finds Looney slipping for a dunk. And he just, I just thought they had a lot of cool things. They had another uh, time where basically everyone was moving and eventually led to Wiggins cutting baseline and then kicking out because he got help. uh, And the ball gets to Draymond Green at the three-point line. And he literally just gets the ball hands it off to Steph while he hands it off to Steph gives a, uh, a a pick for him to get free and Steph has a wide open three and there's a lot of plays where it was kind of I mean obviously not just Draymond Green who's a who's a really smart basketball player but just actions where they're screen the screener or get the ball and then pass it screen immediately into an action and I thought they were really good at that and um, I really liked it and obviously uh, they they're smart enough to know that if you have Steph Curry, you can maybe drive in pick and rolls as Draymond got a bunch of dunks where he just slips down on a pick and roll with Steph because he knows the the defense is so afraid of Steph that you make one yeah. pump and, and you can get to the um, to the hoop. This game really reminded me of like the 73-9 team, like just in the way that they were their biggest weapon was the slip. Like, and guys would just like even not even get to a slip and just pretend they were waiting for something and then just cut back door. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Steph went back door really often in the first half. And then in the second half, it was like other guys going back door. They had that nice play um, where Steph went to screen Wiggins um, on the high side on the left. And Wiggins sort of just like rejected the screen and went for the alley-oop. Yeah. Yeah. That, That play just shows that they're, they're really on top of their play calling right there because like that was just such a beautiful call at that time. Everyone was worried about Steph. Um, The other play that really stood out for me was uh, late in the game, Steph went to screen pool and they let pool go and JV picked him up. Yeah. But at that point, the Grizzlies were both on the high side guarding Steph and Looney just set a screen for, I'm pretty sure it was Bain and Morant was like completely lost. 
I literally was about to bring that up. Yeah, no. That 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 played. It did show that the Grizzlies were lacking on defense. For that was really the only big miscommunication I saw them make. But uh, that play was pretty pretty smart, and obviously that was pretty much the dagger. I think that was for a six point lead with like two and a half left or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another a couple other thoughts. I just like you were talking about how Green made the handoff and Steph. Uh, went around him for the you know drop and screen three um i think that really is the play that makes up for teams that like to sag off of guys who can't shoot very well like you would see people just hang out in the paint when ben simmons at the three-point line like it it was kind of one of those situations the play influenced the fact that draymond was left wide open at the top but steph just ran toward him and and now it's a 45 percent shot right mm-hmm so uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Lakers do. LeBron always leaves people that can't shoot alone in the three-point line. So we'll see how many how many step threes it takes for them to <laughs> to uh, adjust to that. And the other thing I would say is I would almost always rest Steph and Dre at the same time. I think they work so well together and they play about the same number of minutes. I think Poole did really well uh, when he was out there sort of running things. Wiggins obviously is a uh, serviceable like iso type player no yeah i think for those eight minutes that those two guys are not going to play i would rest them at the same time i don't think that's a bad idea i think i mean Ubre isn't going to be playing at least in the play-in against the lakers i think if you're steve kerr you play your best lineup that doesn't have those two players for the minutes that you have them out so especially pool comes off the bench so obviously he can you can put him in when Steph and Draymond are out, but maybe take Wiggins out early, keep him on, then have Toscano Anderson or whoever and Baysmore or Looney at the five or whatever you think your best lineup. You can go small ball. I don't think that's a smart thing. But the thing is with Draymond Green, you can obviously have him playing small ball five even against AD or or Drummond. I think you can probably survive. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what what the matchups are. I I do think the Golden State does miss Wiseman, especially in this matchup, because they only really have one big, right? That that can play serviceable minutes. Maybe Pascal, but he's still an undersized big as well. So it'll be interesting to th- see. But I I I mean, watching this, you get why Kevin Durant wanted to play for Golden State. Just the movement, the passing, the cutting. It's just really fun to watch. And obviously Steph augments that immensely just because he's such an amazing player. But I thought Golden State ran a lot of cool plays, off ball, screen the screener, cutters, people coming down. I think if you're any player that is smart in the way you cut and the way you move off ball, you're just incredible in this offense. And uh, obviously because you have someone like Steph Curry that can – give you the space for example a couple times Wiggins would just get the ball wide open just because the help on on Steph and because of Draymond being such an amazing passer and that you can get open easier if you're if you're open you're going to get the pass although Draymond did have a couple bad passes for the most part he had nine assists so and he's averaging nine assists uh this year so it's they're a fun team and uh it should be a good game against the Lakers don't don't advocate for Kevin Durant's <laughs> signing decisions. 
But uh, I'm not. I'm just saying I, I understand <laughs> how it's different from Scotty Brooks, who just as I don't think a very good coach, but uh, that's that's besides the point. So I guess we kind of touched up on Golden State's ball movement. Is there anything you'd like to add? It's dangerous. That's all you can say. It's and it's not the the thing is that people haven't been really saying lately is Draymond is running everything in a way that he didn't used to. Like you would say he would average maybe let's say he was averaging eight assists in 2016-17. They were garbage assists, right? They were to wide open three-point shooters, three of the best shooters in the league. And it was like this guy's numbers aren't empty. Anyone could be doing that. Now it's not like that. He's doing some special stuff. And the way he works with Steph is really allowing Steph to get all those really high scoring games. Whereas maybe in other years, he would have had like two games a year where he dropped 50. Now it's, I mean, it feels like he's headed for that every night. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the one I think about the most is just there at the end of the game, the Warriors are, are up six and it's an offensive rebound and the ball kind of comes all the way to half. And I think it's Jackson who basically really pressures Steph at about kind of half court. And basically the ball, Steph has the ball, gives it to Draymond who's just at the half as well. Kind of uh, one's on the left side. One was just in the middle kind of near the logo. I think Draymond was, and all it was was a little head look and nod. Steph cuts kind of past Jackson, who's really uptight in him. And no one from Memphis is is even close to helping because they're all back in a normal position. And Steph gets a wide open uh, three and, and obviously drills it. But it's just those kind of plays where it's just the chemistry between those two guys and just the knowledge of it, uh, of, of playing together for so long. You can just see it on plays like that. And if you're just a bit out of sync, you're going to get beat by the ball movement and, and the cutting. Yeah, the, the offense that they have right now would have been, like, crazy for them to use in, like, the 2015 finals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it just gave me flashbacks of the 2019 finals where they'd get all these layups and and off the ball and you're you're thinking how is Siakam and Kawhi and Fred getting lost and you're just thinking well not really it's just hard to to match yep. up with these guys right so um speaking of which how did you like both teams defenses uh like i said before the grizzlies seemed really really solid except for that one time they got lost there at the end on that double screen um Steph had 46, but, you know, they only scored a little bit over 100. It was a pretty good defensive effort um, overall. I just thought they didn't quite have enough. It, it, was, it was a really good effort, but obviously they needed a little bit more somewhere, and they, they really didn't get it on the defensive end because I, th- I they couldn't thought- – couldn't, yeah, they couldn't achieve the like level of proactivity that they needed to stop those cuts and everything. I thought Brooks did a really, really good job on Curry. That's true. And that's the thing is at the end of the game, it gets to 91-91, and then Brooks gets his sixth foul, and the and the Warriors go on, a, I think, a 28-10 to 10 run. So it, it that – I mean, I'm not saying Golden State would have – 
would have lost the game or or actually no it wasn't 28 to 10 it was 22 to 10 22 to 10 sorry but i'm not saying curry wouldn't have scored he 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 would have but dylan brooks did a really good job almost all the shots curry took were somewhat contested i mean a couple beat he was beat a couple times on cuts but it was for the most part he did a really good job and they didn't really have another guy that could really guard him well after the um on ball and off ball right I think probably like just his level of communication involved in that too is probably helping him out a lot. Like you saw when Morant was on him late, he, <laughs> he could have seen Looney coming for that screen for like two seconds and he didn't say anything about it. And then Steph was wide open. I mean, there was a, there was one play in the game where Morant just got completely beat back door for, for a dunk where he just lost his man and Steph found him. I found that Morant off ball wasn't the greatest. I mean, he's still a young player, but that's something. Yeah, there were like there were a few breakdowns. It was just most of the time when they got layups, you were like, "Oh yeah, like I could see that he was." Yeah, yeah. The screen too much. Yeah. So for... they didn't do a bad job. The Warriors, on the other hand, it was pretty impressive. Like they were giving up like deep three pointers. They were not really giving up good three pointers. Um, didn't really have anyone to guard JV, and JV kind of went off. Yeah. But... But I wouldn't say they were... Of course, were... the rebounding suffered a bit, but uh, it's hard to put defense and rebounding in the same category, even though, obviously, they're super yeah. related. I thought, I thought Draymond was fantastic on defense. You saw him kind of everywhere. He, he, he had two blocks and a steal, but you really noticed him. And I thought for... for even Wiggins was doing all right, got caught a couple times off ball, but on ball was decent, so... Yeah, I mean, they don't have any real elite defenders other than Draymond, but I thought they played a really good game defensively and basically made Memphis take the shots that Golden State wanted them to. They forced them into long twos or into shot clock threes with shooters that aren't the best three-point shooters. I thought they handled Morant and JV all right. They didn't really have anyone to stop Morant in penetration, but because of his lack of a three-point shot, uh, it you really noticed it, especially at the end of the game, where they just completely sagged off him and and dared him to shoot. Um, talking about the role players for 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 Golden State, talking about Wiggins and and Poole, uh, just transitioning a little bit. How did you like their game? Because for me, I thought Poole was really fun to watch, and he started the game with nine points in his first seven minutes ended 15 ended with 15 had uh went five of nine three of seven from three so i thought he was really good thought he was a decent facilitator i what i really liked about him i don't know about you i thought his movement was really good his cutting his uh kind of coming into the pick and roll him and looney had a couple of nice plays so and same with wiggins i thought he had a good game he shot well he had one or two nice alley-oop or dunks. Uh, so, and on defense, he played pretty well. I, I noticed he was trying hard, which isn't always the case with Wiggins. But I think this year, for the most part, he's played pretty well and been a solid contributor. Yeah. Um, it's just really interesting to look at their scoring numbers. 46, 21, 14, 15, 9, 6. And that's it. Like... <laughs> So you've got Wiggins, who obviously had a really nice game with 21. 
And then you've also have uh, Toscano Anderson with uh, nine points, and he was really efficient. He's been playing well lately. Like Toscano, I've watched him in a few games and just maximum effort all the time. Pretty efficient guy, obviously solid on defense. So yeah, Pool was great. Uh, Pool had a, I believe he had thirty-eight two games ago, and um, so he's really hot. That'll be interesting going into the play-in, but uh, they do have. Um, a few guys who can put up those, you know, mid-team numbers that uh, really complement their scoring because, you know, one guy getting 46 is really nice. But, for example, if Poole had had an off game, they would have lost this one, right? So, I mean, Poole in his last five games, four games, since May 8th, in his last five games, he's had 15, 38, 20, 20, 16. So, and all shooting above 50% from the field. So pretty, pretty good, sh- pretty good stuff. Um, yep. also shooting numbers from three, all above basically 40%, all three of seven, four of nine kind of thing. So he's been playing really well. I think he's been a really good player that I think next year for this team could be a really good contributor um, and do some damage as a, as a really good role player and bench player. Um. I mean, we really talked about the the Draymond and Steph two man game. I mean, it's just fun to watch. It's it's it it does give me flashbacks to 2019. But I, I don't know if there's much else to say other than they're really smart and together, and they really work well off each other. But I thought Draymond's just the way he'd set up so many p- picks for for Steph or see Steph coming off cuts or curls i thought he was really really smart and really good at that and uh yeah he like i feel like he always knows what's best for steph and then steph just looks at what he's doing like steph doesn't even really have to think like you saw that play a couple weeks ago where steph like came off this sort of like accidental screen and just looks up and the ball's already halfway to him right like it's sort of like that when you see him come around for the the handoff screen and stuff like that. Like Draymond knows where the shot is just as soon as Steph does, if not before. Mm-hmm. No, no. They they really have this great two man game. And I hope it's going to be like that next year, hopefully with Clay Thompson being back and it'll be a fun team to watch. And um, yeah, I don't think there's much else from this game. I, I, I would want to say that Memphis did really get stagnant offensively. I thought, especially in the third quarter, they only had 20 points and 20, they had 20 actually in the second and third quarter, sorry. And you just really could see that they didn't have a lot, uh, a lot. Did I say Memphis? I, I said Memphis, right? Not Golden State. Yeah. I said Memphis, right? Sure? Yeah. Um, uh, I Memphis offense got really stagnant just as in they didn't have much to create other than John Morant um and Dylan Brooks had some really good plays in in the third in the fourth quarter when they made that big run to cut it to tie the game but once he fouled out I thought they really lost their offensive kind of prowess and same in the the third quarter when he didn't play for a while because of foul trouble um it'll be interesting to see how that this team does in the play in against the Spurs when they you know yeah, that will be an interesting game. Like, obviously, we're not really going to talk about it because 
you would assume they're going to lose the next one, whoever wins that one. But that would be a that would be a fun game to watch too. Yeah, I just I do feel that Memphis is really missing another guard or another shot creator. I mean, Dylan Brooks can be good in moments, but he's not really efficient. And if you look at his numbers, no, they don't. They don't have that consistency. And uh, and, uh, and as mentioned, the point before, guard position, the point guard role, not really the point guard position, but yeah, yeah, yeah. As a facilitator, playmaker, because I think this team just doesn't have much else. There's a lot of really, really good, solid players, but not a lot of kind of high end players, but. JV played really well. I would maybe think next time, maybe just straight up post JV more. He's a decent passer out of the post now, especially. Yep. Yeah, he made he made good decisions. He didn't get into a rhythm in the post. I don't even think he like took a shot out of any kind of high post position. Yeah. I they, did. they did send doubles pretty much every time. Yeah. The thing, yeah, the thing I just want to touch on is like this season, Morant's at 7.4 assists per game which seems like a pretty good number. But when you consider that most of his passes are like those short kind of passes that would lead to assists, he's not getting those hockey assists that you really need from your point guard in order to maximize the offense, like out to the corner and then up to the, to the 45 degree angle three pointer. Like those are the plays that really get your offense I mean, running at that level that they just don't quite have. And that's why they're hanging out around. I'm curious to think how you feel about this because for me, again, as I mentioned before, and I probably will say again, the lack of a three-point shot I think affects that though because you're really going into the lane. You only have some sort of kind of um, passes you can make. If you have that three-point shot, they have to come up against you more. You have more space to create, facilitate. So, Yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful for him. Yeah, his mechanics are good. Yeah, he just needs to get rid of the side-to-side flick that's coming, like, off his thumb and, like, a little tiny bit of two-handedness still on the shot. Yeah. So, theoretically, I mean, he has a lot of room for improvement. Yeah, he's only, what, not Like, considering his form, he's shooting pretty well. I think if he can put in that time and get that figured out. You saw, like, a few times when he was attacking. He attacks... And his, like, left hand behind the back move is better than probably anyone I've ever seen. Like, he has way more explosiveness than Kyrie ever had on that move. Yeah. So, he's an athlete. He, could really, he could really go from, well, he's at 19 and 7. He could really get up to, like, 28 and 11. Yeah, easily, I think. Oh, obviously, team might get better, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, there's lots of things to consider, but uh, yeah, for his, sure. His usage rate isn't. It's pretty high, but not kind of out of world. It's about 27%. So, yeah, I, I I think this team probably would benefit from Grayson Allen playing, maybe even Justice Winslow, who's a pretty good facilitator as well, although he's been a kind of banged up for, for a couple of years now with injuries. So, yeah, that's the the one thing with this team is can they can they score enough, and especially in the half court. Um because when they got on their run, it was really off Dylan Brooks in transition or half transition where he's coming off on a half set defense and making plays. So um, it will be interesting to see. Uh, I think that's it. So now we're going to transition to the best part of in the lab when we talk a little bit of 
Chandler Parsons, uh, in this case, just about his the award for who gets the Chandler Parsons award for that one player that just has a horrible contract. I think it's Let's pretty. Say it again, we we absolutely love Chandler Parsons as yeah, a person. OG, OG, sick dude. Yeah, but what did he have? Ten threes and a half or something? <laughs> Was it that much? I'm pretty um, sure. So. I mean, you can you can take it from here. I thought the decision was pretty easy, but I don't know how, who you picked. Yeah, I, I went with Wiggins. Obviously, he, he has such a good fit on the team, really, when you think about it. His fit is amazing with this team. It's just not – it's not $29 million numbers. It's sort of like Porzingis, but just with a slightly better fit for the team. Like, it's a guy you like to have. He's contributing to the team. It's just – your GM's there, probably not quite as happy as everyone else, though, when he has a good game because he's thinking, I should be getting that every night for yeah. $29 million. Yep. But, no, but he's had a good year. Efficiency-wise, he's shooting 47% from the field, 38 from three. Like, those are good numbers. He's averaging basically a block and a steal a game. So, it, it's not – it's more the money rather than is he a bat, is he a good NBA player? Yeah, I think – and this year, I think he's had a good year where you can say, oh, he should be in the NBA and can be a contributor to a decent team. But I don't think he's he's worth he's not he's probably not even worth half that money, maybe 10, 15 million dollars. But he's he's not worth almost 30 million dollars a year. So, uh, the yeah, good news is they don't get paid like that for the Olympics. Yeah. Well, let's hope he goes for Canada. And that that's something I'm really following, but we won't get into that too much, but I just hope Shea plays. And uh, right now it seems a bit iffy. So Shea, hope your, uh, your legs uh, heal up and, and you can play for Canada in a month. So cha- transitioning into who is the Bunsen burner of the game. I think it's kind of obvious, but at the same time, you can go a lot of different ways with this. Yeah, so obviously Steph had 46, but he did shoot 16 of 36. Of course, he had nine threes, so he was well above 50% uh, efficiency. But I went with JV. He, he shot 12 of 15. Um, tons of action on the offensive glass, especially in the first half. And I think the only reason that he didn't keep that up was because they, they started changing their game and they weren't creating those short rebounds for him to pick up. So I think he really played absolutely exceptionally in this game. And I mean, he's gotten a lot better since he was in Toronto, but uh, it just seems like maybe we could have used him a little bit better back in the day. Not that we made a mistake in trading him, but he uh, he's really doing so much for this team and it's uh I would I would say without a doubt he's the best player on the team, and that's wow. that's hard wow. to believe for hot take and a half. I, I, that's for, uh, yeah I know <laughs> hard to believe for a guy that's uh, you know they traded him for not too much not too yeah. long ago. Honestly, if I was gonna go with someone that isn't John Morant, I'd probably say Dylan Brooks as inefficient no. as yeah, he I, is. I agree. I, agree. But, I, I still think I still think he does more for the team than Brooks though, especially in this sort of era with no one to match up with him in lots of scenarios. I just think Brooks defensively this year, he might be all defense. There's, I mean, I haven't looked at it and followed it enough for the all uh, defense for the first and second team, but there's a lot of kind of just the way he plays the hustle. I think you notice it in the game. Yes. Uh, yesterday, he just was all over Steph Curry and 
I think Steph Curry basically did as well as he could shooting six of thir- 16 of 36. And I think that's a big a testament to, to how good a defender Dylan Brooks is and how much, how hard he tries. Um, I went with Steph, but I think JV just for efficiency probably goes to that too. Um, for a week of the game, uh, I found this just kind of funny that there was, it was in the fourth quarter and there's a long rebound that, gets tapped out and Draymond Green for whatever reasons in the half is in his own half. And John Morant tries to get the loose ball that's come out all the way. And he's just running and the ball's so far away and he's sprinting to it. And it, and it just looks so funny on TV. It might've looked a bit more kind of not as maybe ridiculous in, in person, maybe he was closer to the ball in the end. Draymond just picked it up at in his own half. And then it led to a wide open shot for, for Wiggins, but it just looked like, just looked like uh, Morant was running for absolutely no reason when the ball was 10 feet away from him. And then Draymond green just picks up the ball and it's a, uh, the numbers are against Memphis because John Morant's in the other half. So I thought that was just fun. Sliding yet. Yeah. 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 Uh, how about you? Um, I thought uh, Melton sort of really didn't provide anything for the Grizzlies. He shot two of seven and he was really, he was in to sort of be that kind of pool type of guy to keep the offense going. And he just, he just had no like aggressiveness. His shots were all sort of, off balance if he had made a few maybe it would have been nice but i just thought that he didn't really go with his game at all he just sort of Mm -hmm. tried to chuck some stuff up so so that was my week of the game but uh yeah definitely uh one guy making a bad decision late game can hurt more than five missed shots in the first half so exactly yeah no definitely don't disagree with that and so listeners we're gonna take a little break and then we'll come back with We're done with the Memphis versus Golden State, and now we'll talk a little playoff preview, look at the matchups that are already set in stone with the 3-6 and 4-5, and then look at the play-ins and maybe a little bit about the ramifications for the the matchups in in the actual first round that aren't the play-in game. So we'll we'll talk to you uh, later after this break. Welcome back. And now we're going to be looking at the playoff preview for uh, the 2021 NBA playoffs. And obviously this year is a bit different. Like last year, we're going to have a play-in tournament. Uh, so first we're going to look at, examine the the East and West uh, playoff matches, matchups for the 3-6 and the 4-5. And then we'll do a little bit of the play-in to, to end off with uh, starts tomorrow with the uh, the Wizards versus Celtics, and I think is it Lakers versus actually that might be no, it's 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 both East games. It's yeah, it's, yeah. So, anyways, so but first we're gonna have Stephen talk a little bit about last night or yesterday, really, because there was games during the day and what what went down and how it affected the matchups that we see now going into the play in and playoffs. Don't mind if I do. So uh, in the Eastern Conference, we had uh, the Knicks against the Celtics. Um, this game did not mean anything for the Celtics. 
But uh, after going down big, I think they went down by 21. They came all the way back to within three right at the end of the game. And then uh, Noel block for the Knicks, and uh, that sealed it for them. So the Knicks um, secured the fourth seed with that. Uh, Atlanta beat the Rockets pretty handily. Uh, so they'll have the fifth seed. So that'll be one of your matchups. Um, the Heat uh, played against the uh, Pistons. Um, I think they could have moved up if the Hawks had lost, but they'll be playing the Bucks in the first round. Uh, and then Charlotte lost an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter to the Wizards. So that had huge implications. Uh, the Wizards moved up to the eighth seed and uh, Charlotte dropped down to the 10th seed. Not that dropping to the 10th seed was that much worse than dropping to the ninth seed, but losing the eighth seed was a big deal. You got to win two in a row instead of just one of two. So uh, that was like sort of similar to the game that we did today on the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Um, yeah, it was a battle for the eight, nine. Like, yeah. Nine. So, uh, and then obviously the Pacers uh, defeated the Raptors. So they'll be in the ninth seed. Oh, Brizzy for 30 points, baby. That's right. Uh, all our former players are, are killing it out here. So Utah won, and they'll keep the one seed. Uh, Phoenix also won. Phoenix played their entire bench and, and beat the Spurs, which was interesting <laughs> because the Spurs did did play uh, DeRozan. Oh uh, not that the game meant anything for them, but still. Um, By 37. Oh, my goodness. Okay, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Portland. Wait, what are you saying? The Suns beat the Spurs by 37. What? No, 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 no. Oh, that was the wrong game. Oh, they played twice. My bad. They beat them by two. Um, yeah, no, I looked at the wrong thing on the score up. Anyways, continue. My bad. Yeah, Carter Carter, and uh, obviously campaign is pretty sick. But yeah. each one more hit like the dagger, and he also had 22, which is crazy. Jakob Pertle, 17 and 10. Let's go, baby. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, so moving on, Portland beat Denver because, uh, you know, Denver is ducking the Lakers. So uh, Portland's going to get the sixth seed, and they will be playing Denver because the Clips are also ducking the Lakers. Which was so they ended up With the fourth seed, which they didn't really need to do, but anyway. Um yeah, they really tanked this one, um, and they've been tanking for a little while now. But uh, anyway, they lost to OKC. Who has? Um, who's won? What? That was their second win in twenty-three games or something. Probably so, this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Mavs beat the T Wolves, uh, and they'll have the fifth seed, and they will be playing the Clippers. And then the Lakers uh, defeated New Orleans, but uh, that didn't really improve their stock because of the Denver-Portland game. So the Lakers are in the seventh seed and they'll be playing the Warriors. And then obviously in our game this week, the Warriors beat the Grizzlies for that eighth seed. So the Grizzlies will be playing the Spurs. Yeah, sounds good. And it'll be a very fun matchup. So for now, we'll start with the East and the Hawks are playing the Knicks. And what do you feel? How do you feel about this series? Because I feel quite... I feel it's going to be a fun series for sure. And I think it's kind of a, a toss up in a weird, weird way because it's both two kind of young teams that, I mean, there's some vets on both teams, but kind of teams that haven't been here before and they're going to be in the second round of the playoffs. So I think that's a yeah. kind of cool thing. So, no, I feel like this is 
one of the more exciting series in and of itself, but it's also probably like the least NBA finals likely series <laughs> that I could imagine. Like it couldn't be, they couldn't have any less of a chance of getting to the finals. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I picked the Hawks, but obviously it's a really close call. They are literally identical record, identical home and road record. They are both seven and three in their last 10. They're both coming off of three or four game win streaks. So there's a lot of similarities. I think, um, I think the, uh, Playoff experience of Gallinari will probably be interesting. Obviously, D. Rose is going to have a huge effect on this series, depending how he plays. Um, I still, yeah, he's been playing so – he's been the best player in the past two weeks at, at least. Obviously, I love watching D. Rose, so this will be really fun. I, I'm going to go with the Hawks just because the Knicks have usually found a way to self-combust. I don't know about but this Knicks team. I'm probably yeah. just hating, and I really think it's about a 50-50. I, I, I like the Hawks mostly just because they have more talent. I'm just trying to look at their roster and just name out guys that are, are – Yeah, good. like you've yeah. got Capella, Bogdanovich, Colin. Yeah, Capella's been great this year. Obviously, Trey Young's a really good player. Collins is good. Hunter, I think, was really important for them to start the year. Reddish is a – Hasn't been great, but obviously you mentioned Gallinari. Herder is a really good player. Yeah, I just Herder's need more talent, well. more talent off the bench. Even Ken, uh, I almost said Kendrick Nutton. Uh, Chris Dunn has uh, is a good defensive player. So I like the Hawks. I'd pick them in six, but I was listening to to my favorite podcaster, Bill Simmons. He said if they, he believed that if the Knicks got to a game seven, he'd like their chances. And that's kind of how I feel. I think for the Hawks to win the series, they have to win in six because I don't think they're winning in game seven at, at Madison Square Garden, even with less fans for – for Yeah, who knows? But that would be pretty fun. I would also yeah. say the Knicks were 3-0 and against the Hawks this year, and they don't really have anyone to, to guard Randall. I guess you could say Collins maybe a little bit, but he's, he's going to get over – yeah, no, that that's that's one of the concerns. And the, the other thing is I think uh like Reggie Bullock is extremely underrated. He's having a good year. Yeah. That's that's the one guy that sort of you you can come back to all the talent that the Hawks have uh in their like four to seven. Yeah. Um, sorry, in their like four to seven uh level of their rotation. So I mean I th- I think what's interesting about the series is Obviously, if you Trey Young is on your team, you cannot be very good at defense. But the the Hawks are eighth in offense and nineteenth in defense, and the Knicks are third in defense and twenty second in offense. I think that's kind of how this series will be interesting: is can New York score enough against Atlanta, and how does Atlanta do against a really good def- defense, and how do, does the Knicks defend? a relatively good offense, especially with Trey young, because the Knicks don't really have any outstanding defenders other than maybe Noel as a rim protector. I think he, he's been really good defensively as a rim protector, but they don't have kind of shut down guys like a Ben Simmons, Kawhi, Gobert type level defenders. They went, they defend by kind of hustle and heart, but everyone's going to be doing that in the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see, but I yeah, like, I think, 
Yeah, I think Capella could have like a huge effect on this series. Not that they don't have good five defenders on the Knicks, but he really like you saw what he was doing with the Harden a few years back. Like he was super effective. So yeah, I we'll see. This will be a really fun one. I think this will be really fun, and I, I just it'll be interesting to see if Knicks were to win the series, just the bandwagon and and everything in that in that city would be <laughs> pretty fun. I, I love RJ Barrett. I hope he has a good series. That's kind of all I have to say. He's had a really good year and uh, he kind of has a clutch gene. I don't know. I feel, I just know he's not afraid of the moment. So yeah, I, I hope he hits a couple big shots in, in this series. I love Derek Rose. <laughs> and, uh, and moving on to uh, the most anticipated, I think matchup of, of the first round. As at least in the East, at least in the East, is uh, Milwaukee versus the Heat, and obviously the Bucks want revenge from last year when when the Heat uh, beat them in five and and went up three zero and really kind of took that team that was on pace at one point for almost seventy wins that year before COVID, and it's going to be an interesting matchup. the The Heat have had a really weird year with COVID and. No one's really played very well for them other than Jimmy Butler and, and, and Bam, I'd say as well. But Tyler Heroes had a down year. Same with Duncan Robinson. Dragic has been in, in and out. So, um, and they haven't really replaced it, replaced that Jay Crowder guy. They have Ariza um, and, and Bielitsa, but I mean, they haven't really been great this year and they ended the year 11 and four, but their defense wasn't very good. It was in the bottom third in the league in that in that time span. Yeah. But their offense was great. So which is kind of weird because throughout the year, Miami has the sixth best best uh 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 best defense and 17th best offense, but on this run they've kind of rolls reversed. So it'll be an interesting thing. And obviously the Bucks, if they lose in the first round. There's going to be some Giannis to Raptors trade rumors coming up. It's it's going to be yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. So I I picked the Bucks. I, I would give them like above a sixty percent chance of winning this one. Everything on paper makes you think that the Heat could win it. They have really good like playoff cohesion. Obviously, they have Iguodala. One thing that's interesting about the Heat is they've had like at least 13 guys who have been in the rotation this year. So they have like lots of buy-in from absolutely everybody. They are really deep. Obviously uh, Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero, both uh, really like fiery type scorers. Like if they weren't so out of it and obviously they're in the sixth seed and they probably shouldn't be that low, I would feel even better. They just have like no momentum. But other than that, like it's it looks so good like i mean they ended really, the year well i mean they it's ended really their their dream matchup yeah i just feel yeah they like jimmy butler never really put together a vintage performance this season it's hard to know it like it, it's hard to know if he's completely ready if all those things came together though i would give them a really good chance and obviously this is pretty much their dream matchup against Giannis with the uh, out of bio I mean, his numbers have been great this year, Jimmy Butler. I mean, he he got COVID, and but he averaged twenty one seven and seven, and PER is very good, pretty good usage rate. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, Giannis is. Had- I mean, let me say, let me say, if I was going to bet on this, and I don't know what the odds are, but I would bet on the Heat. I I just think the Bucks will probably. Yeah, I th- I think what the more fascinating thing is the Bucks are tenth in defense, sixth in offense. That's pretty consistent. If you have that, you're probably going to beat a team that isn't kind of that elite at one or the other. I I like the Bucks. I'd pick them in six, but if they lose, it's just going to be they kind of have to trade Middleton. <laughs> but yeah, but I don't even know if that's the right call. They're kind of tied into the guys they've signed. But yeah, I, I, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And Jimmy's going to be talking shit the whole time. And Bam is a really good defender for, for Giannis. And so it'll be fun. And and I think there's going to be a huge kind of, it can kind of go either way. And, and I'm going to be interesting to see how Milwaukee does if, if they go down one Oh, or, or whatever in the series or two, one in the game four in Miami, even with the, the, the limited, fans i i want to see how they respond because this team should beat them but but this team's faltered playoffs kind of like the raptors did what i said oh those heat fans they'll get to you yeah i know especially when they leave before the game's over yeah ask ray allen um so talking now flipping over to the west quickly for for the three six matchup for me this is the most for the 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 matchups that are set for me this is the most decisive um but i think i'm also kind of maybe over hyping one of the teams so we'll see but uh in this matchup it's it's denver versus portland denver's the third seed portland's the sixth seed and what are your thoughts on on this matchup i'm going with portland i mean wow okay it's like i don't want to i just think it, it'll be very interesting to see if they can – if the Nuggets can deal with not having Murray. He was scoring like 35 for them last first-round series they played. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I don't really have a lot of confidence in Portland. They seem to just like have strange sources for their points just like game to game. Powell is sort of on and off and obviously – People don't really talk about this that much, but Dame and CJ are really hot and cold. Yeah. Um, They'll have 16-point games and they'll have 35, 39-point games. And sometimes at the same time, and then they'll still win. It's it's a pretty deep team. It's going to be interesting. I think they lose – the Nuggets lose a lot not having Murray on offense. Like, it feels like – Somehow, I, I can't really explain it, but it feels like those backdoor cuts that they do don't work quite as well without Murray. Well, the two-man uh, game with Murray and Jokic is just... Yeah, the two-man awesome. game is really is really useful for them, but uh, even with Jokic in the high post, hasn't seemed to be working to quite the same extent that it did sort of like back when they traded for, uh, for Gordon and they had MPJ getting all those backdoor cuts and three-point shots, and obviously he's shooting super well, so... If he can keep that up, it'll be interesting. But I would give Portland slightly better than even odds to win this one with Murray out. I'm completely the other way. I think Denver wins this in five. I think it's not a close matchup. And I think big... that's I think that's extremely likely. I just have for me well, relatively relatively likely that the Nuggets end it early. 
but for, we'll for, have to see. If you if you think back to that series two years ago, you're sort of in a pretty similar situation, except no Murray. But then, obviously, I think Porter will have. He's sort of the X factor. So, for me, for me, there's there's two real or. I guess I mean the biggest thing is Portland's atrocious on defense. They're they're ranked 29th in the league, and they still made the playoffs, which is pretty outstanding. They're obviously great offensively, uh, fourth in the league. Denver's respectable. They're they're 14th in defense. So for me, it's I don't trust Nurkic to guard Jokic. I'm not saying he he'd do a bad job, but he's not really. He's no AD. He's no Embiid. He's not an elite defensive player. And then, who stop? Who on Portland guards Michael Porter Jr.? I, Covington, I think, is a bit over. What's the word? I mean, he's he's a decent defender, but on ball, he's just a bit old, and I don't think he was ever that great an on ball defender. I think a team defender, he's pretty good. So they have no one to guard Michael Porter Jr., who's just super efficient. He's he's shooting fifty four percent from the field, above forty percent. Yeah, I would. I would be slightly uh, surprised if they like really got him going as opposed to like, you could put, I'd have to look over the lineup, but you could put a smaller, fast guy, like even possibly Powell, although he is fairly undersized. If they got Powell on Porter and they were feeding Porter sort of in an ISO, I would be surprised that they kept going back to that. And I feel like, a guy like Powell would be able to keep up with what their offense usually asks from Porter. Um, again, it's I, I I had them just slightly above fifty percent to win this, but uh, it's it's going to be interesting. I feel like, given one regular season game at this point, I would definitely go with the Nuggets. But when it comes down to grinding and missing one of their top guys, it's going to be interesting. You're right. I'm really excited for this one. I just think this is a bad matchup for Portland. I'd like them more if they played the Suns even maybe. I just, in a weird way, yeah, I agree with that. The, it kind of offsets it. Um, like Dame and, and CJ kind of offset Booker and CP. I, I mean, it's not that's not the matchup. But I just mean, I kind of don't like it just because – Portland's so bad defensively and you have the best offensive player this year that has no elite defender for him and then you have a super efficient rising guy that is going to get his own if you don't have decent defenders and and they don't really have that and haven't shown to play good defensively so for me it's Denver and five I think it's the most convincing one I could be wrong Dame and CJ could go off for four games and they could win the series but I just don't see that happening, and and I think. Who do you think they'll put on? Uh, who do you think they'll put on Dame and CJ? Maybe that's a good. Question. Honestly, I'd put I'd put uh, Gordon. I'd put him on probably Dame, and just ride him out the whole time, and then put him on CJ if as well. I think that's your kind of Swiss Army. Now, if he's not, he's no Ben Simmons, but I think he's an he's a good defender, and. They have, I mean, they have Austin Rivers, they have Monty Morris. They don't have a lot of great, great defenders, but they don't have a bunch of below-average guys either. So yeah, I think I think it'll be important for the Nuggets to uh, 
keep it into like a coaching battle and not really try to play fast in uh, not the Jokic uh, home run pass, but like just other forms of transition. If they try to keep up with Portland in that way, it'll be better sort of just to move the chess pieces for them because that's really what they have to rely on with uh, Murray out. For me, it's for me for Denver. My worry is who scores other than Porter and and uh, Jokic, right? Yeah, that's true. Because Gordon that's, has not been has not been putting up the same numbers recently. No, 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 and 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 that's the thing is, and they're not elite defensively enough for me to feel that they can can completely contain Portland. I just think they're going to score 120 points on Portland every game, and then. That's hard. I mean, Portland's a good offensive team, but 120 points even in today's age is is kind of hard. So, obviously, I'm just making a an arbitrary number, but I just think that's kind of a big, the biggest reason. But I mean, if there's anything you want to add to this, feel free. But no, I mean, I didn't watch the game that they just played, but uh, it would be also just interesting to see that they've just played the team they're about to face. So. For both sides, it'll be interesting to see what adjustments they sort of make out of that. Yeah. So now transitioning into the 4-5, which is just going to be interesting as these teams played each other last year in the playoffs. And, and yeah, obviously- so let me just start by saying that series last year was absolute BS. So many bad calls, and then Porzingis got injured. I think that I really felt like the Mavs were going to win that one. Um, Obviously, I don't have extreme confidence in that again this time. I think the Clippers have definitely better than uh, even odds to take this one. The Mavs have been playing extremely well lately is the only thing that would make me second-guess that, but uh, the Clippers are just shooting so well this season. Ibaka is back. They are still sort of a top dog, even though they did end up in the fourth seed. So, Yeah. I mean, I have a couple of thoughts on this matchup. One, you never really hear about teams that purposely try to get out of a matchup do very well in the playoffs. I can't think of one. I mean, I, I could be forgetting, but that always seems like a bad almost mindset going into a playoff series of we try to intentionally miss someone, in this case the Clippers, trying to get out of the Lakers bracket. I think there's I think the Clippers should win and they just have a deeper team with PG Kawhi Rondo in the playoffs has always been amazing just like Cousins has actually been playing well uh just ask LeBron last year Cousins Ibaka Zubac has been I think Zubac is a really good player obviously Morris who can be a bit kind of I don't know if I trust him because he thinks he's as good as Kawhi Leonard but and then with the Mavs, other than Brunson and I guess KP, who's can really float in and out, they don't really have a lot. They have a couple good players. Tim Hardaway can get hot. Uh, Richardson has been a bit of a disappointment. So I just, this team, the Mavs team, I just don't think is good enough. But if Luca were to win this, win this series, because last year in the playoffs, they were throwing Kawhi PG at him and he was just, torching them if they can win this matchup i think that's the kind of huge breakout of luka Doncic as 
maybe the best player in the league, maybe not now, but kind of on that ascent of I'm going to take this league for the next. Yeah. It sounds kind of like, it sounds outrageous, but it's really not like, no. And I think that's kind of like when LeBron beat that Pistons team in 07, where it's, he shouldn't be beating that team, but he's just that good a player. I, I think that's the kind of potential. If if the Mavs win this, it's because of Luka Doncic averaging 35, 12, and 12 or something ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, just being. I think uh, this series really rests on Kawhi's shoulders. And obviously, you never know what you're going to get out of Paul George in the playoffs these days. But uh, if Kawhi comes with the mindset that he had when he was with the Raptors, that he's just going to take over. I don't think there's anything to really stop him, but uh, he's had a really good year. He's been resting for a little while, so maybe that'll be a disadvantage. And then, like you said, just with the way they really ducked the Lakers side of the bracket, I would just be like pretty concerned about them in the second round against Utah. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, just just that, just really that mindset, just really can tear you apart i think no i definitely agree but in the end i i picked the clippers in six and i feel pretty confident about it but I, i'm i'm gonna be cheering for the mavs uh but oh, uh, yeah. but uh it'll be a good series and i feel unlucky for the mavs because i think this might have been the worst matchup they could have had other than the lakers i think this is just doesn't match well for them so yeah I don't know what would have had to happen for them to play the Lakers. <laughs> no, I know. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. The, the Clippers are pretty much the second best team in the West. So it sucks. Yeah. That's all there really talent, is to talent it. Wise, talent wise, they're, they're the same. They have a good chance, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I picked Clips and Six. Did you, have a, did you have a prediction or just a percentage? You said 50 50. I would say Clips in seven. No, I said Clippers 60%. Okay. Okay. So now go, moving on to the plan, did you want to take this or or uh, I can? Uh, yeah. So the matchups for the play-in are Charlotte against uh, the Pacers in the 10-9 uh, game in the East. And then in the 7-8 game is the Celtics versus the Wizards. So I guess we can start with uh, the Hornets Pacers. I think this one's a little bit of a toss up, but I would probably give it to the Pacers. They just seem a little bit more serious. And you saw the way that uh, Charlotte lost that lead yesterday, which was kind of concerning because that game meant a lot to them and they were up enough that it was a bad loss. So yeah, I'm going to go with the Pacers. I think, yeah, I think they have more, they have a lot more pride in this one. Maybe that'll make them nervous, but uh, they're not really much of a nervous team. They're more just grinders, especially with uh, the legend TJ McConnell out there. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Pacers for that one. What do you think about that, Alex? Yeah, yeah, I, I have to go with the Pacers. Charlotte without Hayward is just, is just not the same team. They don't really have service. They, their bigs don't really give them much if anything at all, with Zeller and Biombo, I mean, they're hardworking guys, but there's not much. LaMelo has been great this year, but. Uh, not so good lately. Yeah, not so good lately, just after his injury. And yeah, I think Indy's just a better team. Sabonis, Levert, 
TJ, obviously Brogdon as well. Um, I mean, sucks that Turner's out, but yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see. I think it could go either way, but I definitely like Indiana more just because I think they're just a better team. And, but if, again, I think if Hayward was there, I'd probably pick Charlotte, but he's not. So um, good for both teams yeah. to, to be in this matchup, especially Charlotte after you probably think they would have had a bad year this year. And uh, yeah, so good for Charlotte being in a plan. Yeah. Um, I think you can partly thank Hayward for getting them there a little bit, but. Oh yeah. They, they've yeah, still, sucked. they've sucked since he's been out. They've yeah. Um, moving on to the wizard Celtics. I'm going to go with the wizards. I think missing Jalen Brown is super rough for the Celtics. Uh, they still have a pretty good shot at this one. It's a sort of a high firepower offense, but uh I would be really surprised if if the Wizards lost this game. Um, me too. the The Celtics lost to OKC two weeks ago. I that's just actively tanking. I this Celtics team has just been horrible all year, and now they have Brown out. I, there, there's no way. I mean, no. The the Celtics can win this game, but I I'd be super surprised that it's not. Wizards up three points with 48 seconds left in this game. And Marcus Smart has the ball at the top of the arc and, and bricks a three. I, I think it's one of those kind of games. Flip it. Exactly. Uh, so, but I, I think, I definitely think the Wizards are going to win. They've been streaking to end the year. Westbrook and, and Beal have been playing great basketball and the Celtics have just been a tire fire all year. So I, I definitely I'd be surprised to tell Celtics win, even though they have home court and, and are technically the higher seed. So moving on to the West, we've got in the 9-10 game, the Grizzlies and the Spurs. I think this one's a bit of a toss-up. It's hard to know. It feels so unlikely that either of these teams will eventually move on. So uh, it's an interesting one. I guess I would pick the Spurs. They've got a lot of uh, experience obviously and um DeRozan is definitely the best player in this game but uh we'll see what happens as far as uh the Grizzlies because we saw how their offense was a little stagnant last night so uh this will also be a fun game though but uh I, I definitely yeah, this is sort of this is sort of like the uh the Hawks Knicks series in uh play-in version where this this series or this game is not going to mean too too much in the end I don't think yeah, I mean, I mean, for DeMrosen, I love him, but he's so bad defensively that, yeah. But going back to the Spurs, they're really weird. They're a team in this playoff or matchup, I guess the top 20 teams. They're 22nd in defense and 21st in offense. So it's just a weird kind of team to, to have the record they have. You'd think they'd be a bit worse than that. But... Uh, I like Memphis. I think they're a better team. And I just don't really – I haven't seen enough Spurs games, but I just like – I like Memphis much more just because they can defend their sixth in defense. And they were there last year in a playoff uh, or a playing game and, and lost. I think they'll get over the hump in this case to at least win one and – and make it to the eight nine, and I think they have a decent chance if they play Golden State of winning that. I still like Golden State, but 
I like Memphis. I, I just don't like the Spurs that much other than really maybe DeRozan and, and Pirtle. Um, yeah, I think they've got a well-balanced offense, which I think is a good thing in a, in a one-game situation. They got uh, – what is it here? One, two, three, four, five, eight guys averaging over eight and a half points. So you're looking at a situation where it's pretty likely that one guy will have a good game out of the role players, and then you can probably expect about 25 to 30 from DeRozan in this game. So Yeah, yeah. I think they'll move the ball better than the Grizzlies. Um, the only concern is that JV can probably out-rebound Pirtle, but uh, this will be probably a tight one. I'm going to go with the Spurs, but again, it's it's a bit of a toss-up and it's a bit of a non-issue as far as the playoffs go. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I, – I mean, I think I'm a bit more bullish on, on Memphis than you are, as in a, a real chance to, to play in the playoffs as the eighth seed. But, yeah, I, I – I, again. Yeah. I, I don't I don't like the Spurs if they win this game. No, I me neither. Think I think Memphis has a better chance of the upset eventually, but uh, – um, And in this matchup – Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So, we've got obviously the – the highly anticipated game between the Lakers and the Warriors. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Alex? I think it'll be really fun. I mean, the only way Golden State, in my opinion, wins this is if Steph has 50 or something. Uh, the one thing, obviously, with injuries to AD and LeBron and, and a couple others, the Lakers still aren't fully in sync and haven't been kind of playing together. But I, I definitely like the Lakers in this. I think they should win. I could see them winning comfortably, but again, you wouldn't if you're a Lakers fan, you don't like this because Steph Curry can just make a bunch of threes and and take over and yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, but they don't really have an answer for AD or LeBron, so that's a bit of a problem while I think the Lakers are I think they're first in defense this year or second and they're a good t- they're great at defending, so they should be able to to handle Golden State at least somewhat. Yeah, I think I think what the Lakers are really should be worried about is everyone else. Obviously, they're probably going to go with a pretty not a true zone, but sag off of three guys who are on the perimeter or uh, really help off of Looney or something like that when Steph and Draymond are at the top. So I think if the Warriors are to win, it's going to be off of other people shooting really well, more more so as Steph getting 50. I think they're going to play in a way that will not allow him to get 50. Uh, but they'll probably leave some other guys open a little bit more. But, like, this could be the Andrew Wiggins revenge game against LeBron for trading him. Uh, he, he's... He's gone off against Cleveland, man. It could be. I'm obviously kidding a little bit, but uh, they need – that's the only guy that I think could really go off. Maybe Jordan Poole, uh, maybe Damian Lee. Yeah, no, I'm not worried. I have a lot of guys that can really do that anyways. Not worried about one guy going off. It's just sort of they're probably going to put all of their focus on Steph. Yeah, which they should. He's their best player. Um, Outstanding. MVP caliber year. 
So just a couple of questions. Who do you think the Lakers might put on Steph and Draymond? I think you definitely have to put AD on that um, just because it's almost a quasi elimination game. He's your best. De- he's your best defender. He can definitely handle Draymond. You could have LeBron just because he's strong enough and, and quick enough to, to stay with Draymond. And then, uh, for Steph, I think you just throw a bunch of bodies at him. Caruso's a good defender. Matthews is a good defender. Even Schroeder is pesky enough to to put on him. I, the Lakers have a bunch of guys that you can put on him. And for for me, it's more how do you control Steph off ball and off pick and roll, right? Where it's important to have the big or the whoever's getting screened be a good defender. So. In this case, I'd have Dray- I'd have AD on Draymond as much as you could. And then if you wanted LeBron a little bit, because I think that's actually a decent matchup, you could put Kuzma on Draymond as well. Who's, who's Kuzma's had a good defensive year. He's playing hard, been a bit smarter. So, um, yeah, I, I think the, the Lakers yeah. have the guys you can throw at him. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree with all those points, especially uh, just uh... – I was going to add that Kuz could probably pick up Draymond and be a little bit of a better switch onto Steph possibly, especially just to give AD or LeBron a break in that case. Um, what do you think the Lakers might put on Wiggins for this game just as sort of the third threat? I, I think it's whoever your the wing defender is. So you could have Kuz, Matthews, LeBron even. I mean, I think you want to hide LeBron as much as you can, not because he's been bad defensively, but just giving him energy to to play as kind of, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker maybe a little bit too, um, Markeith Morris maybe, but uh, yeah, he hasn't been getting too much too much playing time. Oh, I, oh, I forgot Caldwell Pope. You probably put Caldwell Pope on on Wiggins. Yeah, that kind of makes the most kind of sense, honestly. Him or Kuzma or maybe even Horn Tucker. Uh, I forgot KCP. So that's no kind of it. Uh, and yeah, again, this team's been great at defense. I'm not too worried about them guarding just because of the track record throughout the year, even with the injuries. Um, just a final question for the Lakers. Do you think they'll be able to play Drummond in this matchup or will he be too much of a liability with Steph coming off screens as often as he does? Yeah, Drummond's a, is a pesky defender. He's good with his hands. I think you can survive with him. I, I mean, personally, I think Gasol's a better player to 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 have. Maybe not for Steph necessarily, but I'd probably start Gasol over Drummond. But they signed him. I'm sure they promised him playing time because of the contract and everything as being a buyout guy. So. I think you can play him. They don't really have a big, so he should destroy them on the offensive glass. Yeah, he will. He will provide some pluses. But if Steph is having a really good night shooting, it's going to be tough. Yeah, to you, I'm sure he starts, play. but the question is, will he finish? And with Frank Vogel, and I think smartly for the most part, AD plays at the five to finish games, and I think that's what they'll do because you can get more spacing, more shooting. And Drummond gives you none of that. So, and he's somewhat of a defensive liability in certain matchups, especially one where he has to be exposed for his lateral quickness. In this case with Steph Curry running off curl screens or pick and rolls where um, Drummond is probably a bit uh, uh, kind of a liability. So 
I think you'll play, but how much you play is probably around 20 minutes. I don't think it'd be much more than that. And I think if they're really smart, they'd play Gasol because he's a better defender. He's a great passer. He can shoot the three. He helps the offense, even though his his actual stats are going to be lower than than Drummond in terms of points and and uh, rebounds and, and that sort. Yeah, I just want to add, um, hopefully we'll see a game where we get LeBron sort of in the high post and just distributing really well. That would be a nice thing for him to get in rhythm with that before the playoffs. And uh, just one final thing. I just noticed that uh, Kent Bazemore went to Old Dominion University. <laughs> that is all. Thank you. <laughs> I, one thing I would add to that is – they don't really have anyone on Golden State to really guard LeBron. I guess you could put Draymond on him, but that's probably not the best matchup, especially with AD. So it's going to be interesting. They're going to be they're going to be using the pick and roll. Yeah, and oh, wow. it'll be interesting to see how Steve Kerr plays Draymond on. Where is he playing on AD? Is he on LeBron, or is he on? Uh, you know, how does he use him? Does he use him as basically a weak side helper? So he's on maybe KCP. It'll just be interesting to see what, how he uses Draymond on, on defense and who he matches up against. And if I'm him, I play Steph and Draymond as many minutes as you can. If it's 45, especially for Steph, it's 45. Uh, I think that just really helps their offense and, and he's still decent enough defensively to hold his own. So. It'll be a fun game. I think it'll be a fun game, and no matter what, Steph and LeBron will put on a show. That's right. Um, I guess there's not much else to add, uh, but this was a, a fun playoff preview. We'll probably come back when uh, when the plans are done and do a little bit of analysis of, of that and, and talk about a little bit more of the 1-8 the and 2-7 seeds and maybe a game in there. Uh, I, I hope it's I hope it's not – Lakers versus Spurs. I'm just gonna that that'd be just horrible. I hope it so, is. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, then it's probably better for the Clippers, right? So, anyway, <laughs> the great uh, in the lab session, a little bit more uh, playoff preview, which is is always fun. And uh, thanks for this, Steve. Thank you, man. This was a good one. Have a good night. <laughs>